You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? Oh, I get it. Daylight savings. You lost an hour. You're still pretty, pretty hurt about that. It's all right. We're going to make it through it together, guys. We're going to make it through it together. I woke up this morning. My alarm clock went off, and the first thought in my head was, impossible. There's no way. This is not it. And I'm the kind of guy that, like, I don't wait till 2 a.m. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been saying since 3 o'clock yesterday. Everybody, it's actually 4. And then at 4, hey, it's actually 5. Like, I just, because I was trying to, like, get myself ready, and it just still, the alarm clock went off this morning, and it was like, there is no way. But we made it. We're going to get through this together. So thank you for being here. Uh, if we have not had the privilege of meeting, my name is Sam. I get to serve as the lead pastor here, and this is a beautiful church. And so if you are new, like Lindsay said, welcome. Uh, I hope you experience a strong sense of family. Go ahead and open up your Bibles. Right now, we are on a journey. You, this is a great time to be with us. We are on a journey through the book of Philippians, and we're calling this series Unfinished. We're going verse by verse through the book of Philippians, and we are seeing how God is at work in his people. God is building something. Something is under construction, and the work is not done yet. The work is not done yet. Speaking of construction, um, <laughs> how was your weekend? Let me tell you how mine was. So yesterday, I attempted to put together, to replace, rather, the, the bathroom fan. Have you guys ever done that one? Yeah, me neither. So I'm trying to do this, and I got YouTube out, and I got the man, and it was just like, I was getting so angry, because it's like 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes into it, and I'm just getting angry now, because I'm like, I'm not good at this. I'm just not mechanical. I know, hold your surprises. You guys are like, oh, you? I get it. No, I'm not handy. I'm not mechanical. Most people have a honey-do list. I have like a honey-hire list. I'm like, who do we need to hire this weekend to do things? And then I go downstairs. I'm upstairs, and there's just, it was a mess. I'm telling you, I have like caulking, like handprints of caulking all over. And you're like, why are we using caulking for a bathroom fan? I don't want to talk about it. But I go downstairs, and like, I'm almost being taunted at this point by my kids. Because my kids, I'm, I'm like down on myself. I'm not mechanical. And then my kids are like, Dad, I built a dinosaur arm. You know, like, and they have like Legos that move and like motorized things. And like, they made a gumball machine out of Legos. And I'm just like, where'd they get that from? It's not me you know? And I'm just feeling bad because I'm not handy. I'm not mechanical. Like, I just, I can't do it. I live in the world of ideas and thoughts and pictures, you know? And then I realize I'm sitting there just moping, and I go, you know what? It's not my fault. As a matter of fact, it is not my fault that I'm this bad because, friends, look what I'm working with here, right? How many of you guys get, like, a little twinge of anxiety when you see the instruction manual that looks like this, right? Like, have you looked at these things lately? It took me 20 minutes before I realized I wasn't even looking at the quick guide. I was looking at the guide rapida, right? Because it's in 10 languages. I got a 15-page booklet for a printer. I need a magnifying glass to read the fine print. I'm just like, what is happening here, right? No wonder I'm so bad at this. I'm a victim. I'm a victim of the system. And so this just stresses me out. And I'm like, man, but what about my kids, though? Why are my kids so good? And then they go, Daddy, look what we built. And it's like, that's their instruction manual. 
right? And so I'm like, I know I'm not mechanical, but I still like to make myself feel good. So I buy them the Legos, you know, 500 pieces. And I'm like, guys, when we get home, we're all going to sit down and daddy's going to show you how to build this dragon. Right? I'm like, we don't need you. I'm like, oh, yes, you do. No, we don't. Hey, guys, do you know how many pieces are in here? You're going to need dad's expertise on this. We want to do it by ourselves. Go away. And I'm like, fine, I'm going to leave them to their Legos. I'll come back in 20 minutes when they're weeping in humility because they desperately need my skills, you know? And they call me back in 20 minutes and I'm like, yeah, here it goes. I'm like, dad, look what we built. You know, I'm like, they're better than me. They're be- but look at this, not a single word on this instruction manual. You could have a six-year-old in Easton, Maryland. You could have a seven-year-old in Istanbul. You could have a 12-year-old in Turkey. It doesn't matter where you are. I mean, pictures are so powerful. Pictures are easy to follow. Pictures, an illustration, an example can often accomplish more in one moment than thousands of words spilled on paper, ink poured over page after page. Because sometimes, friends, it's easier to say, hey, don't tell me, just show me. Don't tell me, just show me. And so I'm here this morning, I want to ask you, what if we're trying to build something way more important than Legos? What if we're here in this room and we're trying to put something together way more significant than toaster ovens and printers? What if we're here meeting this morning in in Easton, Maryland, because we are attempting to build a movement, a movement of people who are growing in faith and reaching the world? What if we're trying to put together a community of people who are growing in their faith and then they spread out and they are growing in their influence to reach the community? How do we do that? Tell me what it looks like to have a community of people who are transformed and then scatter and they reach their region with such an impact that that region will never recover. Tell me what that looks like. Because that's what we're doing here, friends. Welcome to East Point Church. We are building, not a Christian club, right? Hey, us four, no more, shut the door, thank you. You know, like, this is not just a Christian club of people who come together and we gather and we have our Christian country club. We're trying to build a movement of people who scatter, who move to and through the community with the life-changing message about Jesus. Our vision is a growing influence of a growing people who are passionate about seeing the gospel spread seeing faith birthed, and seeing lives transformed. If that's what we're trying to do, then somebody please tell me, how do we do that? Somebody please tell me, how do we glorify God and change our community in significant ways? Somebody tell me, please. Betty, don't tell me. Show me. Show me what it looks like to reach the world. And that's what we're doing this morning. As we continue in the book of Philippians, Paul, he comes before us and he doesn't hold up an instruction manual. He doesn't describe three steps for how to change your world. Instead, he holds up a picture. He shows us this morning an illustration that demonstrates what this is going to look like. And friends, the illustration is alive because the illustration is a person actually two people. And so we're going to see for the next few moments, we're going to meet two dudes. Paul is going to introduce us to two guys who are examples of what it looks like to impact their community. Two demonstrations of what it looks like to reach your world. And as we look at these illustrations, 
As we say, show me, we're going to see them illustrate three things. Number one, we're going to see a genuine concern for people. Number two, we're going to see their invaluable contribution as partners. And then number three, we're going to see their enduring commitment to mission. Their enduring commitment to mission. And so do you guys want to reach the world? Six months yesterday, six-month anniversary of our launch as East Point Church. Do you want to reach the world, church? Well, then show me. And that's why we look to God's word this morning, because we say, Lord, show us. Check it out. Starting in verse 19 of chapter 2. This is God's word for us this morning. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. First thing we see here from our example, our living illustration, is a genuine concern for people. I introduce you to my friend. His name is Timothy. And so if you've been following uh, through this series with us, you know that Paul was a traveling missionary. He went all over the ancient world spreading the good news about Jesus, telling people how God loves us in spite of our sin, telling people that God meets us with grace and forgiveness, and if we turn to him and put our faith in him, that we could be in his family. And so he's traveling all throughout the ancient world. He comes to this town called Lystra and Derby, and he meets this young follower of Jesus. This young guy loves Jesus, loves people, and he invites Timothy to join his team. He says, Timothy, I want you to join my team. Travel with me. And Timothy takes off. Timothy then devotes the rest of his life to traveling all over the world with Paul. He goes to ordinary people like you and me, and he explains the gospel message in very easy terms to understand. He helps them live in light of that gospel message. He is making a difference in his world. And now Paul, he says, I am going to send him to you soon. I'm going to send this guy to your community so that he can do more of the same of what we've been doing this whole time. And as I send him, as Timothy comes to you, there is a trait. There is something about him that I need to highlight because it is very, very important. There is something about him that you need to understand. All of his mission, all of his efforts, every single endeavor that Timothy has undergone has been motivated by a simple and yet profound fact. He is genuinely concerned for your welfare. Timothy does what he does because he loves people. He does what he does because he cares about them. And so if we were to sit down with here, here with Timothy and we go, Timothy, come on, bro. Why are you doing this? I mean, don't you want to like meet a lady, settle down, have some ninos, get some equity in a home, buy some property? Like, don't you want to just live the good life, Timothy? Why is it that you're doing what you're doing? Why is it that you're traveling all over the world with Paul? He would tell you, because people are not objects that allow me to do something fulfilling. These people that I'm doing life with and ministering to, they are not a means to an end. I'm not using them to accomplish a mission. I'm using my mission to accomplish God's work in people. 
He is genuinely concerned for people. He wants to see God's work advance in their lives. And so you would think that this is a given. You would think this is a prerequisite. Like, duh, isn't a prereq for reaching the world loving the world? You would think so. But Paul tells us here, he goes, this is who Timothy is. And sadly, unfortunately, this is a very unique trait. Look what he says. For they all seek their own interests. They all. There are many people out there who are approaching ministry. They're approaching the mission with a focus on themselves. Here's what this tells me, East Point Church. It is possible for you to serve the world, but actually be serving your own interests. It's possible for us to go out there, and we want to reach the world, but we're actually really concerned about doing our own thing. We saw this already back in chapter 1. Remember, Paul said, there are people preaching out here, but they're not doing it out of love. They're doing it because it's an opportunity to build their own platform. They see the ministry of preaching as an opportunity for advancement and self-promotion and for getting more followers, for being the next big thing in the preaching world. But not Timothy. Not Timothy. He is genuinely concerned for people. This is the kind of guy that when there's no acclaim, there's no spotlight, there's no recognition, he's still at home wondering, how are they doing? He's still caring for them when nobody's watching. He's still caring for them. Even when he has his own stuff going on and he's busy, he genuinely cares for people. Man, they seek their own interest out here, but not Timothy and not East Point Church by the grace of God. Friends, we want to reach the world. That's in our mission statement, to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and then reaching the world. Yes, we want to reach the world, but... Our mission is to be fueled by genuine love and care. As you teach your children, as you reach your neighbors, as you walk across the street or go across the Atlantic Ocean, as we move through the community that we are reaching, we must remember Timothy's example. We don't use people to do something. We serve people. We love and care about people. And so we ask ourselves, friends, in light of the text, as we look into the mirror of the scriptures, we ask ourselves the hard question, are we more concerned with doing our own thing and our own interests, or are we motivated by a genuine love and concern for people? That's what Timothy was. But he's not the only example. I told you, Paul puts up two living illustrations. Let's meet our second friend, okay? He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So you met my boy Timothy, meet Epaphroditus. You see, when word got back to Philippi that Paul was in prison, remember they loved Paul, and they said, yo, we got to do something. 
We love Paul. We are so indebted to Paul. He has done so much for us, and now he's in prison. It's our turn. We got to minister to him. We got to love him. We got to encourage him. How are we going to do that? And so Epaphroditus is there, and he stands up, and he goes, I'll go. I'll go. Let's do this. Send me. I'll go. I'm going to go and, and sit with Paul in prison. I'll visit him. I'll make sure I grab some Chick-fil-A on the way so he can have a little taste of home. Like, we are going to go and minister to Paul. And the Philippians think this is an awesome idea. And so they take an offering. They literally all pool in money. They put together a little gift. And now Epaphroditus takes off all the way from Philippi in Greece to Rome. A long journey. A long journey. We learn that on this journey, right, he, well, that's why Paul calls him the messenger and minister to his need. This is going to be a sight for sore eyes. He is a messenger. He is coming to do ministry to build Paul up. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll get here in chapter 4, but Paul gives him a, a donation statement, right? He's like, here's my read receipt. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts, plural, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This is a beautiful trip, man. What a selfless endeavor. So he goes, he brings these gifts to Paul, but we learn that this long journey, months at a time at sea, this long journey, look what it caused. It says that he was ill near to death. Quite the journey. He almost died doing it. And I'm here to ask you as we look at that example, why? What possesses a dude to do that? What moves him to get out of his comfort zone and to go and minister to Paul? He cared about Paul. Just like Timothy, he has a genuine concern for people. And here's what I love about Epaphroditus' example. We get Timothy, but then what we notice from Epaphroditus is that genuine concern is more than just a twinge of thoughtfulness. It's more than just a passing thought. Oh, I wonder how Jake's doing. I hope that guy's all right. Moving on. No, no. Genuine concern moves us to action. Genuine concern, it's more than a feeling. Epaphroditus, he was willing to inconvenience himself for the well-being of others. At great cost to himself, he moved out and, concern, and tangibly, visibly cared for Paul. He was concerned, and we could see it. And so now Paul, he sends him back, right? And he highlights the fact, he goes, hey, I'm sending this guy back. He cared for me, thank you. But he also cares for you. As a matter of fact, he is longing for you all. He cares about you as a church in Philippi. He is upset right now, not because he's sick, right? You and me, we're going to be upset because we're sick and we're sidelined and we're quarantined for five days, right? And I'm going to get hot and bothered. This guy's upset, not because he's sick, but because the people that he loves so much found out that he was sick. And now he's upset that he caused them distress. He's upset because they're going to be sitting here going, oh, what did we do? Should we not have sent him? And he's like, I need to go be with them. I care about them. You see, friends, a picture is worth a thousand words. And as we look at these two living illustrations, we know what it looks like to have a genuine concern for people. Do you love people? Do you love people? Do you show it? Is it visible? 
Friends, I, know, I see you bought the t-shirt, you're excited, let's go reach the world. But a prerequisite for reaching the world is loving the world. And so our prayer is that our presence, that our influence in this community would be motivated by a loving concern that willingly inconveniences itself and sacrifices for the well-being of others. That's what it looks like to reach the world. Genuine concern for others. Let's keep going. Tell me more. Tell me more, Paul. What else does it require to make a difference in your community? What else? Somebody tell me. What else are we going to need to do? What else should we understand if we're going to make a positive impact that will long last after we pass from here? Somebody tell me. No, as a matter of fact, somebody show me. And that's what we see in the next illustration. We are shown someone who makes an invaluable contribution as partners. Invaluable contribution as partners. And so we have Timothy. We have Epaphroditus. We've already established that they're reaching the world. They are motivated. They are fueled by a genuine concern for people. That's awesome. But notice, they're not doing it alone. They are not doing it alone. We see that Timothy was a valuable partner to Paul, and he says, I have no one like him. I got nobody like my boy Timothy. We have served with such a level of teamwork. We have served with such a level of trust that the only thing I can liken this partnership to is like a son with a father. Because Timothy has become an extension of Paul's ministry. You see, Paul, he would travel all around and he would plant seeds of the gospel. He was a, a seed planting machine. Do, 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 do. Just gospel, gospel, Jesus. And it's just like, whoa, people are coming to faith. But then he would move on and he'd go to the next town, do, 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 planting seeds, preaching the gospel. And he would leave Timothy behind him and Timothy would stay and he would water the seeds and he would create irrigation systems and, and turn the heat lamp onto the plants and he would raise up leaders and he would train people how to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. He would get things in order. You see, where one person's gift set left off, the others began. It's partnership. That's partnership. Have you ever worked with somebody who was the yin to your yang? You ever work with somebody where you were just like, wow, you are so good at what I am not, and the result, as you put your, your powers together, as you put your unique gift set together, you're going like, wow. For some of you, that's called your spouse. Some of you would be homeless if it wasn't for your spouse. Do you understand that, right? Like, you're like, I don't even know what a bill is. Say thank you to your spouse, Okay. And so that's what we see here with Paul. There is evidence of partnership. I mean, right now, even in this passage, think about it. Paul's in prison. And so if Paul was a soloist, who he was just putting the team on his back, doing his own thing, him being in prison would cause the entire operation in Philippi to come to a grinding halt. But the fact that he's here saying that I'm going to send him, it's showing that we can accomplish more together than we can apart even when I'm locked up and in chains. The ministry goes on. These are men with two very different gift sets, two gifted leaders in their own rights, and yet we see them operating as partners who complement, not those who compete. 
partners who complement, not competitors who compete. Here's what I know to be true. The most mature people, the most effective ministries, they understand that they are doing their part as a contribution, not as a solo endeavor. The most mature people I know, they understand that they, they can recognize another person's giftedness and be confident enough in their own unique contribution to not be envious or to compete or to talk them down or to try to build themselves up. They go, dude, you are beautifully gifted in ways that I am not, and that's how God has designed it. And they make their invaluable contribution as partners. Church, we are to operate with a sense of team. You are gifted in unique ways. I am gifted in unique ways. And with our powers combined, Captain Planet reference, shame on you. The outcome is beautiful when we work together. Maybe it's just Timothy, though. Maybe just Timothy and Paul had the Batman-Robin thing going on. Is that really common? Is that the norm? Should we actually emulate that? We'll look at the second illustration here. Epaphroditus, he's described in similar ways. He says, that's my brother. That's my fellow worker. He is a fellow soldier. And once again, we see a team approach to ministry. We see two men, not in arrogance competing, but two men who embrace a mentality of partnership. Paul is not a lone ranger. Epaphroditus is not a lone ranger. And here's what I love about this illustration. Partnership produces affection. Partners are not colleagues. Thank you very much. I'll see you in the office. Check in, check out, have a nice life. Partners are not colleagues. They're not simply co-workers. They are bonded and united at the heart level that comes from being a part of the same mission. Right? How many of you have served in the military before? Anybody, previous military experience? Talk to any of these people and they will tell you they may not miss early mornings, they may not miss PT, but they miss the brotherhood. They miss the fellow soldier camaraderie that is forged in foxholes and trenches. You see, when you're a fellow soldier, that's not a polite colleague. There is an affection. Partnership produces affection. This affection, it was so real. This is not just word and lip service. This partnership and affection was so real that Paul says, I would have lost it if I lost Epaphrodites. I would have had sorrow upon sorrow if this guy was gone. It's not just these guys. Do you remember when Jesus sent out his disciples on their first lab? He sent them out on a gospel-proclaiming, disciple-making mission, and he sends them out to by two. You see, friends, partnership is the pattern of New Testament ministry. This is a staple of gospel ministry. And so, church, you want to reach the world? You want to make a difference in your community? You want to see lives transformed as they come in contact with the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ? Then we need to do it together. We need to make a, a contribution, an invaluable contribution as partners. That's why here at East Point Church, we don't call it church membership. So church member or membership is what I have at BJ's. I'm a member, I get a badge, and now I have perks and benefits, right? I'm a member, I pay my dues, and you're going to give me stuff. We don't do membership, we do ministry partnership. 
Because what we're doing here, we're coming together, putting down roots in long-term committed relationships, and we are working together in pursuit of a common mission because we know that solo endeavors will never accomplish as much as a united effort of partners working together. So you want to make a difference in your corner of the world? Then it's going to need to be an invaluable contribution as partners. As partners, we got to do it together, church. So a genuine concern for people, an invaluable contribution as partners. And lastly, show me one more thing. What else? Show me what it looks like to reach our world. Well, let's look at our illustrations one more time. We see Timothy here. We know that he genuinely loves people. We know that he served as a partner. We know that he's willing to travel from Rome to Greece and all over the world. And, but, and yet... The underlying motive of all of that, what ultimately drove him to minister to the Philippians, to encourage them, to go back and forth to Paul, what ultimately drove him was an understanding that he was doing the work of Jesus. He says here about Timothy, he has served with me in the gospel. He wasn't serving Paul. He loved the Philippians, but his secret is that it wasn't all about the Philippians. He loved doing ministry, but his secret is that it actually wasn't even about ministry. He was doing this because he was doing gospel work. He was doing this because these are the interests of Jesus. Let me say it another way. Remember in the last verse, he says, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Friends, that means that Jesus has interests. That means that Jesus has an agenda. Jesus has a mission statement. Jesus is at work actively pursuing and doing something. And so Timothy, he's saying, yes, I love you, but I'm not doing this just because I care about you. I'm invested. I'm interested in the work that Jesus is actively doing. We see this in our other example. Look at Epaphroditus. We already know that he nearly died doing his thing. But why? What motivated him to go to such great lengths? It says here, he nearly died for the work of Christ. He didn't die for Paul. He didn't nearly die for the Philippians. He didn't nearly die for a sense of fulfillment. He didn't nearly die to leave a legacy. His primary motivation was that he lived with a, convic a conviction. He understood that he was doing the work of Christ. And so the last thing we see from these two living illustrations is an enduring commitment to mission. Their lives will not make sense to you unless you understand something. You will not properly understand what's happening here if you simply think that these are extraordinary individuals. Because we do that, right? We read the Bible and we go, well, those are Bible characters, so they're up here, but we are just normal East Pointers, and we're down here, and we're doing our thing, and so, yeah, we'll never be. Do you think that what we're witnessing here is simply the evidence of their self-discipline? Do, do you think they're simply doing this because they're just especially driven and motivated? You're not going to understand what's going on here unless you understand this very simple but profound point, and it is this, Jesus is on a mission. Jesus is on a mission. He's at work. Jesus is actually doing a job, and here's his job. He is seeking and saving the lost. 
God in heaven has a whiteboard, and he has a goal list, and he has a defining objective, and he is trying to accomplish something. He is pursuing people and calling them into his family. He's healing the broken. He's out there comforting the downcast. He's in Talbot County cleansing the dirty. He is in Caroline County loving the dysfunctional. He is in the world coming near to those who would never even dare to think it was possible. You see, you're here, friends, because Jesus has pursued you. Do you understand that? You're actually here. You are in the family of God, not because you woke up one day and said, I think I want to find faith. No, he found you. You were a name on his board at one point, and he has pursued you and adopted you, not because of something you did, but in spite of yourself. And so these guys, their effort to reach the world is fueled by the conviction that God is already at mission in the world. God has already set out, and he's at work. And so they want to see the gospel spread in people's lives, not because it's a hobby, not because they're driven, but because they are sold out to being a part of what God is doing. They are living with a sense of purpose because they are on a mission that is so much bigger than themselves. And so we know that Epaphroditus, he nearly died for this, right? Paul tells us, receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Give this man an honoring homecoming because he nearly died for this. His commitment was so solid that he risked his life. And I don't know about you, but there's something beautiful in this. There's something inspiring. There's something attractive as we go, yeah, I like that. And what we're seeing in their lives is an enduring commitment to mission. Friends, welcome to East Point Church. We are setting out to reach the world, but it's not because we're philanthropists. We're setting out to reach the world, but not because we're charitable. We want to reach the world, but it's not because we're a bunch of nice guys. We are setting out to reach the world because God so loved the world. We are setting out to reach our neighbors because God already loves and is at work in our neighbors. We love the marginalized because God loves the marginalized. And so, friend, let me ask you this. Do you live? Do you go to work? Do you raise your children? Do you interact with your neighbors? Do you live and move and interact in your community with an enduring awareness that Jesus is on mission in your world? Sometimes we think of it like this, right? I'm in my community, I'm doing my thing, and I go, oh, you know what? Hey, God, you got to see this over here. Hey, God, there's some people who could use you. Hey, God, let me, hey, one second, I'm going to put you through. Hey, God, can you come on down here? Like we're trying to get God's attention to do something, and you don't realize that you're late to the party. You're there in that community, at that cubicle, in your job, next to that classmate, the very things that sometimes you wish you weren't in, you're actually there because he already has gone before you. And he brought you there for that reason. So we love the world because God loves the world. Do you live with this enduring awareness? We get to contribute to something that is bigger than ourselves. And friends, it will last for all of eternity. It's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be efficient. 
But friends, I tell you, it will be rewarding and it will be worth it. So show me. Show me what it looks like for somebody to make a difference in their community. Show me. And this morning we see three things, right? We saw a genuine concern for people. We see an invaluable contribution as partners. And we see an enduring commitment to mission. And I see you in your chairs. You're sitting up a little bit taller. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is inspiring. These are attractive traits. Yeah. Do you know why they're attractive? Do you know why they're inspiring? Do you know why these three things are worthy of emulation? It's because, yes, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they are pictures, but they're little pictures. They are imperfect pictures that are actually reflecting an even bigger picture, and his name is Jesus. You see, Jesus is the ultimate example. We're sitting here saying, God, show me. Show me what it looks like to change the world. Show me what it looks like to reach people. And he says, I'll show you. And he puts forward Jesus, the perfect example. You see, Jesus was genuinely concerned for people. Every interaction, it was dripping with love and authentic care. He looked at the city of Jerusalem, and he looked at them out at their farmer's market, and he was weeping as he looked at them, because he was so concerned for them. He said, they looked like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved to tears. That's how concerned he was. He saw people that were not being led well, but were being abused by their spiritual leaders. And he cries. Genuine concern for people. We see that in Jesus. We see that he made his invaluable contribution as a partner, right? Timothy served like a son with his father. Jesus came and he said, I'm like a son with my father and I'm only doing what I see my father doing. He lived with that sense of partnership. He got 12 people together and he said, you're partners. And then he sends you and me out and he says, go and reach the world. Good luck. No, no, no. He says, go and reach the world and behold, I am with you to the very end. He's partnering with us. What is happening here? Beautiful picture of partnership. And then finally, the enduring commitment to mission. Epaphroditus nearly died for the work of God. Jesus didn't pull up short. He didn't nearly die. He went all the way. He sweat drops of blood on the night that he was betrayed, and he went forward anyway, taking the death that you deserved so that we could experience the life that he alone deserved, and now we are children of God. These are attractive because they're actually pointing us to Jesus. And everything that you're seeing here this morning going, wow, I want that in my life. You're saying, I want Jesus. And here's the good news. Jesus doesn't only give us his example. He gives us empowerment. If one of you were to stand up right now and dunk a basketball on that 10-foot hoop, hey, it's really easy, just like this, bam, right? And you throw it down. Good example. Doesn't do me any good. Come on, you, Sam, you're so tall and athletic. I know. Stop with your heightism. I've been asked my whole life, do you play basketball? I'm like, no, I don't play basketball. So that example would be useless to me. Thank you for showing me how I don't have the ability to do it. Jesus doesn't just give you his example. He exemplifies it, and then he empowers it. When you come into God's family, you're given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes in you, and it gives you the ability not to dunk a basketball, but to genuinely be concerned for people. 
to partner, to have the humility of spirit that is required for true partnership. He empowers in you a determination and a perseverance to endure in your commitment to the mission. And so come to Jesus and say, thank you for the example, but then give me your spirit. Thank you for the example, but transform me and make me like you so that we can go and reach the world. Do you want to reach the world, church? Do you want to be the kind of church that if we closed our doors in 10 years, there would be an audible groan from this community and they'd go, oh, we lost those guys? Do you want to be that kind of church? Do you want to be the kind of church that 10 years from now, we look back to this moment and we go, man, remember when we just got started? Look how much God has done. Do you want to be that kind of church? I do. And I know you do too. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord for that to that end. Stand with me this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all that you are doing in our community. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would make us like Jesus. Lord, that you would shed the apathy and the self-centeredness out of our hearts, make us genuinely loved and concerned for people. Give us humility, Lord, to operate as partners to affirm and encourage and compliment one another's gifts. And then, Lord, give us the commitment to the mission. Give us the sense that we are working on something that is so much bigger than ourselves, Lord. We're doing your work because you are on mission. We love you, Father. We're so grateful to be a part of this, and we are excited for all that you will continue to do by your grace, through your spirit, in your people. We love you, Father. We pray all of this in Christ's name. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week. We want to.